Welcome to People with Purpose. So many people are looking for meaning, but they don't know where to start. Imagine a world where everyone could just get their purpose out of them and then actually make it happen. I'm David Roberts, and I believe that we all have a purpose, and with focus and a little help, people with purpose make a difference. And this show is where these stories come to life. So welcome to People with Purpose. Uh, Today I'm joined by Tom Mays, who's a coach and consultant in, uh, he he really seems to be an expert in life, an expert in business and investment, uh, helping people overcome, uh, you know, the things that get in their way uh, so they can be their best selves. Uh, And uh, it seems to be a pretty holistic approach you take, Tom. Welcome to the show. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me here. And it definitely is. I, I can help in many different areas, but my primary focus is finance. Okay, cool, cool. And uh, so um, where are you in the world and, and what are you working on right now? Um, I'm in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, thankfully, we're headed into the spring here and the cold winter is almost over, which is great. And focused right now on four businesses primarily, uh, the first one being Alteza Capital, we help with three areas, capital raising, B2B sales, and technology and finance consulting. Uh, so I've done a lot of capital raising for a variety of different companies. I first founded a, a hedge fund, commodity and currency trading fund, which built me a lot of great contacts so that I could start this business and raise money for companies. Second one is uh, Alita International Consultants. We're a team of about 14 consultants. We can help from anywhere from scalability to technology to finance to leadership to relationship problems and issues uh third one is we train people in the philippines to be international remote workers so that's alteza capital virtual specialists and then the fourth business is nxt digital which a little bit on the back burner at the moment since it is focused more on innovation in the Web3 space, which has taken quite a hit over the past couple of years. So it's not a primary focus at the moment. Okay, cool. But um, yeah, so you do, yeah, I just looked on your website and it describes you as a serial entrepreneur. So uh, that sounds like you're living that life, but, but good job too, given, as you say, what's happening with Web3, you know, having multiple streams is... Uh, is a is a vitally important thing to get into. Um, how long have you had multiple streams? Oh, good question. Um, I'd say right on a high school. Right on a high school, I was always selling something. I was buying and selling cars, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, fireworks, <laughs> um, and then I'd have my full time job. Uh, first job at fourteen years old was carrying wood in a lumber mill. Okay. Um, so I had that stream of income, and then I would do like affiliate marketing and I'd build teams of salespeople and I'd sell anything from travel packages to um, like vitamins and, you know, protein powders and stuff like that. So yeah, I've always can been that entrepreneurial spirit of, you know, what's the next thing I can do to make money. And that's just what I love to do. Okay. Wow. So where did that come from? Oh, that spirit. Um, I would say a a couple of things. One is I was born very naturally curious about everything, always asking tons and tons of questions. Um, and then when I was growing up, I saw, I kind of analyzed everything and I was looking at my family and I had a couple of uncles that, you know, made, made really, you know, healthy amount of money, not like they're super rich, but a healthy amount. They'd go on nice vacations and they'd have a nice house. 
And then I'd have other family members that would really struggle and they would say, oh man, like I've got to get a new roof on my house or new brakes on my car. And they would totally stress out about it. And I just thought like, hmm, you know, money seems to be a big, big part of this world. And then my family, we went through uh, financial hardship when my parents got uh, divorced and we had a series of unfortunate events occur. And with that, um, you know, we I saw my mom go backwards huge financially. And I was just like, man, if if money is a choice, I would choose to have more than less. Um, so I looked at it as a big problem that I wanted to solve for for my family so that they could live comfortably and then for myself as well so that I'd have the tr- uh, freedom to do what I want when I want with with whoever I want. Okay. Well, that's um I'm sorry to hear about those those troubles, but um it sounds like out of those those troubles came you know a bit bit of a bit of a mindset because I mean when you're in that kind of a situation in a way you can go one or two ways, can't it? You know, you hear these stories about uh, for example twins who were born into the same kind of family environment, um, you know, maybe with alcoholic parents or whatever, and one one becomes an alcoholic and, and the other one kind of does exactly the opposite. You know, what do you think it is about people that makes people take certain choices to go in certain directions? Oh, that's a great question. And uh I feel underqualified to answer this from a psychological standpoint, but um, I'll take my best shot at it. I would say it's two two major aspects is the way that you perceive yourself and your perspective of the life of, you know, of life in general, um, which I think is inherent within you, but it's also largely dictated by like your environment and how you're raised. So, you know, if you, say one parent is the alcoholic and then one parent is really loving and caring. Um, If you're able to get enough love and care from that one parent, um, even from the toxic one that's, you know, alcoholic, potentially abusive, physically, et cetera. um, If you're able to like really lean into the positive side of the energy that you're getting from the other parent, opposed to, you know, if you're in an environment where both are super abusive, I mean, that's, that's tough. you know, and I don't know how to kind of speak further to that because there are people that have gone through, you know, war-torn com- countries and they've just had like horrific upbringings and, you know, they do amazing things with their life. Um, so I, I, I truly don't know. I think it's just like the will, will to live and their perspective, how they perceive things as, as positive if they want to overcome it or if they want to let it really, really damage them for forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you um, when you think about um, sources of strength, because uh, we all have challenges. I mean, I've I've gone pretty pretty deep with the whole alcoholism thing. It's a bit early in this conversation, perhaps to go <laughs> to, to go Let's do to, it. Go, Let's to go. go that deep. But <laughs> but if you um, if you think about sources of strength, you know, it, you were you were age fourteen in the playground or whatever, you know, doing, doing deals and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and one thing that people, um, fear a lot is, is rejection. Um, but you must've found some kind of inner strength to, to put yourself there to potentially be rejected on, on that, for, uh, those early sales calls, if you like in the playground and all that kind of stuff. I mean, <laughs> I mean, where did, where did, where did that, where did that come from? Yeah. That's a good question. It was just this inner, like, 
drive and ambition to to progress and like for me there's like a positive and dark side to it the positive side is like okay i want to progress i want to accomplish things i want to be a combination of elon musk richard branson and i want to like change the world through technology and innovation and i want to help a lot of people um and and you know help my family that was the initial thought so there's like the positive aspect of it but then there's the negative aspect of it where it's like who am i like i'm not very significant i don't have enough um i should be better i should be you know even in elementary school i remember i should be faster i should be stronger i should be able like all these things like it was a huge lack thereof i was not enough i didn't have enough i was not enough from my own perspective of who i was um and then i would also judge that off of other people's perspectives as well and i think oh like um maybe people don't like me as much or people would like me more if i was faster stronger had more money if i looked better etc so really like using those two energies to my advantage as much as possible i think it really created just this intense burning desire to to succeed as much as possible and to help people as much as possible opposed to just being okay with it i was just not okay with it for those two major reasons mm -hmm. and when you were working with coaching clients now is that whole kind of mindset thing something that you that you help them with yeah yeah um i'm primarily focused on on those four businesses i do have a couple coaching clients as well um when i advise for companies a lot of the time the ceo um or in the c-suite i can see the similar tendencies where okay is this person working out of like a lack thereof where they're constantly running and building this business out of fear and um you know like insecurity because it can be quite dangerous it's an incredible fuel and people will work incredibly hard or is this person you know joyful and they're building at this company out of fun and they're happy with where they're going and they're successful because the company cultures that are created from that can be extremely different um their goals are extremely different um you know their communication style is extremely different so because i've I think I, I don't want to say it's unique to me, but I think a vast majority of entrepreneurs that are self-aware feel both of these energies very strongly. And then when you're working with somebody or a company, you know, whether I'm just in the company to help them with capital raising, I can still feel that energy and communicate with them and then be like, okay, they're operating more out of this. So then I'm going to communicate with them in this manner. Um, okay this guy is working way too hard. I'm going to try to help him work less while I help him with capital raising. So I definitely take it into consideration and mold my uh, consulting and coaching work and advisory work um, as much as possible to fit the individuals that I'm working with. Mm -hmm. And in your own businesses, what what's the sort of culture that you look to create there? Mm. Um, number one is like problem solving and independence. Um, I absolutely hate micromanaging people and I hated being micromanaged when I worked with and for other people. And the the most successful companies that I'd been a part of were the companies where the individuals were able to make decisions on their own and they had a feeling of this is also my business. Like I am a big part of this. The companies that I worked with where they're like, oh, this is that guy's business and I'm just working for him you know the employees are slacking off 
you know, when, when the boss isn't around, you know, they spend money on stuff, they break stuff, you know, whatever it was, and they just didn't care. So when I realized that, I was like, okay, I need to create businesses and company culture where the employees, the staff, everyone really feels like they're a part of the mission, they're a part of the vision, they're a part of the company. So I really create models as much as possible that are performance based on them. And then I really look for people that are entrepreneurial minded and problem solvers. If I have to meet with somebody more than like once or twice a week, I look at it as a red flag because then they're not self-sufficient enough. And I do not want, not that my companies are super big to have like managers and managers and managers. And then there's this huge chain of communication, like so much wasted time and efficiency. I really want people to be like, okay, you're responsible for this division of the company. Uh, I'm going to bonus you on these milestones if you reach these. If in certain time periods, if you reach below them, you get your normal pay. If you go below them, there might be some consequences. If you go above, then you get extra pay. And then I really just look for people that have that ambition and drive and attention to detail. And they, more than anything, they take ownership over that and say, okay, this is my responsibility. I'm going to do it. And that's quite tough for a lot of entrepreneurs is kind of that whole sort of sense of letting go. It sounds like you kind of want to let go by default, but um, uh, I I know a lot of entrepreneurs who who really, really struggle with that. Um, What advice would you give someone who wants to hold on to everything and kind of micromanage it to how how can they break through that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think the best way to, break through it honestly is by pressuring yourself and continuously to grow your company because sure when you're at five employees you can pretty much be involved in every aspect of the business um okay then maybe then you're 10 now it's a little bit more difficult okay well start another company and have five employees over there and then have 10 over there now can you do everything okay start a third one okay and then when you start to do that like you'll get to a certain point like I did, I was working 16, 17 hours a day. And I was just like, this does not work. (laughs) And uh, this is never going to work. And I'm like miserable. I can't go to the gym. I'm so unhealthy, et cetera, et cetera. My mental health sucks because all I'm doing is working. And then I, I, I was like, man, this is, I only have like 10 employees right now. Like this doesn't even make any sense. And I'm thinking, okay, Jeff Bezos has like what 90,000 employees, like Elon Musk has what 50,000 employees. Apple's got 72,000 employees. I'm like, okay, yeah, this is not scalable. (laughs) Like, what am I doing wrong? If any of these guys were in my shoes right now, this would be the biggest walk in the park for them, Mm. right? It would be the easiest day of their life. And why am I working 17 hours a day so stressed out? They would get this done in 30 minutes. So then I realized that the way that I was scaling my businesses was not scalable. And once I realized that, I had to identify what my goals were, what my wants were. If I only wanted five or 10 employees, then cool. I'll just keep grinding myself to the bone every day and I'll do this. But that's not what I wanted. So therefore, I had to learn how to let go. And the only reason that happened was because I pressured myself to that point where I started to have to let go. And then once you do let go, um, I remember I had some huge aha moments where I gave projects to some employees and I said, I'm not even going to like, you know, be involved in this. Hey, this is the rough, rough idea of what you guys need to do. Blah, 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 blah. ABC gave them like hardly any direction. I just told them the end result that we needed. And I said, go do it. Check in with me after the week. Check in with me after the week. You know, it was a three-week project. And quarter of the way through, I was like, 
wow, that looks like they're doing a good job. Another quarter of the way through, I'm like, that's yeah, that's that's going really good. And then at the very end, I was like, holy shit, that was better than I could have done it. Right. And then that was a huge aha moment because I'm like, I'm never doing things I'm not good at ever again. <laughs> like I'd way rather give that to somebody that enjoys doing it and they'll do a better job. Um, so that was that was huge for me. Cool, cool. And and what have you learned about hiring people and that whole process of hiring the right people? Mm. My favorite question to ask people when I'm hiring them is, is what do you like to do in your free time? Mm. Um, because then I can identify, I had one in one, one person I hired, he's like sleep. My favorite thing to do is sleep. I'm like, okay, well, I don't know how motivated this person's going to be. And the other candidates weren't very good. So I was just like, okay, let's take a shot on this guy. His other answers were pretty good. And no, nope, he quit within two weeks because it was too much work. You know, <laughs> it was too stressful. And I was like, okay, well, I saw that coming. Um, but uh, yeah, through the interview process, you know, just really like line up some questions that go into what they like to do when they're not working because they're going to have these answers where, you know, oh, I'm a problem solver. I'm uh, optimistic. I'm all the team worker, like all this kind of stuff. So I dive into like, what are their hobbies? What do they like to do when they're not working, you know, how did they get to here? You know, how long did they work for other companies? How long have they doing different things? Do they do martial arts, etc.? I look for discipline. I look for independence. I look for um, like generally it's pretty stable, like home life as well. Um, whether they have kids that they need to care for, you know, they're going to be a consistent worker or if they are, you know, independent on their own, are they like a bachelor that's partying all the time or do they seem like somebody like i heard a uh, wonderful wonderful girl and her favorite things to read all the time she just loves to read and study and research and i was like boom perfect like that's that's awesome she's gonna be focused on work and and learning and growing all the time she's obsessed with personal development so i i look for things that aren't just like the work focused things mm -hmm. no yeah me too actually i uh it's always good to know uh, what you're going to get, I suppose, a thing for me to look out for, and something that I've had to learn is uh, very often when you're when you're when you're recruiting people, you're looking to people bringing the team. You kind of you can almost naturally look at okay, so is this is this person like me? Um, and that can mm. sometimes be be a big mistake because if, if we end up with you know twenty twenty of me, then we end up with people that. That, that kind of all want to do the same thing in the same kind of way, think the same way. You don't get that kind of creative tension. You don't get, yeah. I mean, my attention to detail is not as good as it should be. I've had, again, I've had to learn that skill. Uh, so I, in, in my team, I know I need someone who's, who's really hot on the numbers because, uh, because mm. otherwise I'll get caught up in the vision and go, you know, skipping gaily up the hill and all that lot. And then uh, actually, you know, we, we won't, <laughs> we won't be going in the right direction, whatever it might be. So, um, so yeah, so uh, it's getting that balance of skills and orientations into a team to to really make it make it sing i think totally and hire for your weak spots right just like you mentioned you're not a huge details person so hire someone for that and that's definitely what i consider as well because i hate design work i hate social media work i hate video editing I like i hate so many like random things that I just think are like time wasters. So then I'd way rather hire somebody that loves doing design work, loves social media, loves all of this kind of stuff. And then it totally just frees me up and everyone's happy because they're working in an area that they enjoy, um, which I think is incredibly important as well. You know, happiness, joyful, 
um, when they're working with you. I really needs to be a fun environment. Um, so, yeah. Cool. And so um, values, does that come into the, the picture when you, when you look at who you're looking to bring into your team and want to work with? Um, I don't directly ask what their values are, but through the questions that I ask, I can, I can see what their values are, you know, personal development, independence, freedom. Um, yeah, you know, drive all of that kind of stuff. I can, I can identify most of their values subconsciously while they're answering the questions that I ask. Cool. Cause it's kind of sounds like you, yeah, yeah, no, it sounds like you're looking at behaviors, which I suppose are a kind of a product of what people's values are so you're kind of looking at how that kind of manifests itself in their in their lives exactly exactly i believe more in like kind of action versus what they speak of because you can have a more accurate determination because if i say my value is honesty but i lie to people all the time you know people can have a manipulated perspective of what they think their actual values are when they're actions show very different so i look for material results opposed to what people think they're doing mm -hmm. human psychology is crazy we can think we're doing things all the time meanwhile we're acting in a totally different thing yeah yeah, yeah exactly <clears throat> so so have you looked into psychology much yeah yeah i love i love reading i love books so i read over like 300 books on a variety of different subjects and personal development and, and psychology and um, you know, business is human psychology. If you were to look at any company, you know, a company is just a group of individuals, right, that are working together and marketing, sales, business development, negotiating, everything is human psychology. It's incredibly important for business. So I, I really find it incredibly fascinating. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so from your point of view, then, is there is there an area where uh, you kind of you kind of keep catching yourself falling into a into a pattern in your business which doesn't serve you and having to kind of hoik yourself out of that is there anything like that that trips you up all the time <laughs> <laughs> all the time and it drives me absolutely insane um it was so funny i was just having a conversation with with one of my business coaches yesterday about this and it there was this the example that I used when I was speaking with her. I was like, okay, I, I chew my nails a lot. And I know that I'm not supposed to chew my nails. So it's like, hey, I'm not going to chew my nails today. 30 minutes later, what am I doing? I'm chewing mm -hmm. my nails. Okay, stop, 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 stop. Hour later, what am I doing? Chewing my nails. And, you know, like once you become aware, then it's easier because some, you know, at the beginning, you don't even realize you're chewing, chewing your nail and then you stop. Um, but yeah, with the limiting beliefs in business as well, it's like, okay, I should be delegating these tasks because it's something I shouldn't be doing. And then 30 minutes later, I'm working on those tasks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I should uh, be asking clients for more money um, or following up because they're late on payments. Next thing you know, I'm procrastinating on that or, you know, I'm not asking my employees to do it. And it's crazy because yeah, it's like you, you can identify these things, but it takes you a while to actually act upon them, you know, and, and you know, you get stressed out about a certain aspect of your business and you know that you shouldn't be stressed out about it because you're going to solve the problem, but you're still just anxious and stressed. How am I going to solve it? How am I going to solve it? Even when you do have potential solutions. So, yeah, it's, it's just massive battle against yourself all the time when you're building and pursuing. 
Yeah, yeah. And so do you have any kind of, um, so you, you catch yourself half an hour after you've started doing some admin or whatever whatever it is you're not supposed to be doing. Um, actually, I've just exposed a bit of myself then because that's my that's my disease. I get <laughs> I get sucked in. I'll just get this little task out of the way, you know, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. an hour later, I'm still doing that little thing instead of the big thing. Have you, right. have you, have you put together any kind of um, uh, routines or 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 tricks or techniques or whatever to 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 help yourself to to keep yourself on track. Yeah, um, the only maybe like trick that I have it's not really a trick is I, I journal a fair bit, so I'll write things down, and I find when I say like you know delegate more, stop doing these tasks, you know that that helps me really solidify it. But in reality, it's just a muscle, you know, like if you. If you talk about going to the gym and, oh, I'm going to lift this 50-pound dumbbell, um, you can write about it all you want. You can think about it all you want, but you actually have to do it. So for me, it's it's delegating, right? And it's um, a lot of the time, I think it's faster for me to do it. You know, oh, I could give it to somebody else and they'll get it done, but I could do it so much faster, you know, and I'll make sure it's done perfectly just the way that I want it to. And that's that's something that I battle with a lot. Um, so, you know, I'd write about it. I think about it, but the most important thing I can do is just act on it. Every time that it comes up, I just say, no, Tom, like I'll kind of negotiate with myself sometimes too. I'll be like these five things I could do so fast and get it done. Be like, okay, you're allowed to do one or two of them, but the other three, (laughs) (laughs) the other three, you have to delegate those three because those will take too much time. And it's a muscle that I just build and build and build and build and and work on it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I, I I um I've got myself into a bit of a routine now with 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 the day and sort of topping and tailing with with the things that need to be done either that day or or the day after because it sounds a bit sounds a bit weird doing it in the first thing in the morning and last thing at night but actually sometimes things look different in the morning so uh, mm-hmm. it's just worth a quick flick through but most of that goes on uh, the night before and um, yeah asking myself the question um, not not. Not, not how can I do this, but who can who can do this? Um, mm-hmm. I find I find helps me when going through that to do list. You know, turn the to do list into a to delegate list or, or or whatever it might be. That I find that really helps me. And then it's then about ring fencing that first hour of the day. If if I if I let that first hour of the day go to to trash, then it's really, really hard to to recover it then because, um, you know, from my point of view, that's where my energy high is at its peak. You know, I wake up and I'm kind of ready to just just crack on and, and get into it straight away. So if I waste that time, there's a big cost on me and my business if I, if I don't have that discipline. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I live by my calendar, so I'll just jump straight into to meetings that are booked for me. And then I have a rolling to-do list that I continuously add to it. Uh, throughout the day and then immediately when I review that to-do list I delegate as much as I possibly can and then I then I execute and then at the end of the day I'll be like okay there's still like you know 800 things on my to-do list but you know what's not going to die if I don't do it today right you know what can survive till tomorrow and I've had so many calls with my coach where I'm like, oh my God, like, I've got to get this done, this done, this done. He's like, Tom, like, what ha- what would happen if you called the client and asked for like a two day extension? You think they're going to get that mad? I'll be like, no. And then I'm like, Can you, do you really have to get that done tomorrow? He's like, I'm like, no. He's like, okay, just relax, get a good night's sleep, hit it tomorrow. I'm yeah. like, ah, 
into OCD. I just need to get everything done all the time, immediately, right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, achievers also kind of, um, or people are naturally orientated towards achievement can sometimes put that pressure on themselves. You know, they can, they, they keep piling stuff on the to-do list because it gives them that sense of, I don't know, I think you might have mentioned the word significance earlier on. Um, and uh, yeah. and that's kind of a bit of a a bit of a beast to tame that. So uh, so finding a way to do it is uh, is is important. It sounds like you've got a business coach. Yes, yes, I do. And just to comment quickly on that, like like progress. I think we're so obsessed with progress that we're constantly looking for things that make us feel you know fulfilled, significant. Like you're making progress because you have these goals, and if you're not progressing towards those goals as an entrepreneur, you get depressed, you get anxious, you get sad, you get frustrated, you get angry. So what I'll find myself doing is I'll find myself doing like an hour's worth of work where I'm just like, like just crushing it. And then I'm like, okay, this is stupid work. Okay, cool. I feel like I'm making progress, but I actually would have made progress if I spent this hour doing nothing and I was just thinking creatively and I was relaxing and I was sipping a coffee, thinking about how I'm going to solve this problem, but it doesn't feel like I'm progressing, right? Because I'm not actually doing something. I'm thinking about a problem. I'm thinking about how I'm going to scale or delegating work. It doesn't really feel super pro progressive sometimes. And I think entrepreneurs are obsessed with that feeling. Um, so that's the thing about being really busy and working a lot. You feel like you're really making a lot of progress. Meanwhile, the most time that I've ever spent spinning my wheels, making no progress has been the time that I've been the busiest and <laughs> I've been like the most miserable working 17, 18 hours a day. And yeah, with my business coach, he's, he's phenomenal. He's, he's managed thousands and thousands of employees and he'll tell me <clears throat> all the time, like, you know, you should be working way less, way less, but you should be working four to eight hours a day tops. So when I first started working with him, I was working 16 hours a day. And he's just like, nope, 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 stop, 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 rest, relax, rest, relax, rest, relax. Like you need to solve your problems without you working this much. And it was a huge transition for me. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of time to un like un unwind that way of thinking and to reprogram my mind. Um, but um, yeah, I accomplished way more in a week now working between four and, you know, 12 hours a day. I still get up there some days, but um opposed to before where i'd work you know 100 hours in a week and i get way more done so yeah. it truly is entrepreneurship you know it's your mindset the way that you think the way that you solve problems the way that you delegate yeah 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 well it applies the same in uh in a corporate environment as well because um i mean from that perspective works work um and if you come through like like i like i did in a in a sort of a more of a corporate environment um you know you you actually when you when you get promoted and you take on more of a leadership position and you become a director and, and all that, actually you, you do feel the same feeling of guilt because, you know, you're not processing as much. You're not kind of doing as much. You're kind of, you, you should be thinking. And actually that is probably the biggest hurdle for somebody who's transitioning from uh, more of a doing role to more of a kind of a leadership role uh, to uh, to that that's probably the biggest change because actually if if you're not taking that time to uh, to review and reflect on 
on the numbers and to model different scenarios and to you know ask the what if question you know and to look on a longer horizon then you know who's 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 the pilot of the plane you know who's who's the captain of the exactly. ship you know then um but it is a different a different skill totally totally and i whenever i you know think about my thought process or other people that i'm working with um eckhart toll if you're familiar with him like he talks about like the the biggest addiction in the world is is thought and we get in these thought patterns that are totally addictive and whether it's, you know, a physical substance or, you know, if it's just a way that you think about life, you know, you think you're always in danger and you're always going to be sick. You're going to be sick. You're going to be sick. Therefore, you get sick. And, you know, for for I think a lot of entrepreneurs is you need to be pro progressive. You need to accomplish. You need to um, succeed. You need to do this. And it's just like this tape that is just winding in your brain all day. And I think as Joe Dispenza that says, we've got like 30,000 thoughts per day and 80 percent of them are reoccurring thoughts from the day before so if you have that addiction to that thought pattern that's constantly going all day every day for years of your life trying to change that addiction is is difficult it takes time mm -hmm. you know and it's something that i think we need to give ourselves some more grace with but also realize that like it's something that you really need to intentionally work on as well absolutely yeah i was in a, on a seminar a few days ago actually and, and um there's a guy guy there talking, taking us through the uh, the the Tony Robbins model of of human needs, and so uh, mm -hmm. you know the need for uh, 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 certainty, uncertainty, significance, uh, and whatever the other three were, I can't remember them off the top of my head. Uh, but he said if if you if you've got if you're doing something and it fulfills three of those um, those need drivers then it has the same effect as an addiction because you know you you're satisfying these fundamental human needs that in some ways can be quite quite primal and in some ways a kind of a learned kind of need uh, but if yeah. you're doing one thing and it's buzzing imagine hitting three hitting three sweet spots you know in 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 terms of what what the human psyche uh, looks for in life then uh, then yeah it can be pretty about anything and so um addiction is an interesting thing i'm i'm not an expert on it but i kind of i kind of use the word to describe my own behavior patterns sometimes um and people sort of give you a sort of the sort of a look, you know, that's a, that's a bit harsh, but actually I find it helps to pretty well sort of say it as it is, uh, because if it's a pattern of behavior that you are um, not in control of or not in control of to the extent that you would like to be in control of it, then potentially you're giving some of your liberty, your ability to make choices, your ability to, uh, you know, forge your own path to that, thing that force that pressure that substance that 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 you know decision making pattern and and being aware of that is the first step towards being able to do something about it totally totally and how many times as a an entrepreneur have we sat at a family dinner and we've only thought about business mm -hmm. you know and you're just thinking oh i should be working i should be doing this i should be doing that i should be doing this or like you try to go get a workout in and all you're thinking about business <clears throat> trying to relax with a significant other all you're thinking about is business and it truly is like this massive addiction that just runs 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 mm -hmm. and it could be so many different forms of it but um yeah 
you know, use it to your advantage is definitely powerful in some aspects, but yeah. something that you want to tweak to your benefit, right? Absolutely. And when it comes to that kind of work ethic that becomes overbearing and, and I mean, one of the, I remember one of the other uh, needs, which is contribution in, in the Tony Robbins model. And um, actually by learning the art of delegation, what you're doing is you are contributing to others, you know? So rather than feeling guilty about that, what you're actually doing is you're, I mean, not if you're just dumping all the, everything that you don't want to do just because you don't want to do it. But if it's, if it's fulfilling, if it fits that kind of role for that other person uh, and it's the right thing to do, then actually you're contributing in terms of giving opportunity to somebody else to be able to learn new skills, stretch themselves, develop and grow. And um, so, uh, so, you know, so it's a, it's a selfish and a selfless act in the same instant. Yeah, totally, totally. You can help other people progress as well, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And yeah, it's amazing how many, like, you know, when you're self-aware and you start realizing, like, how much self-sabotage there is and how many limiting beliefs that you have. And, you know, you know, I was just thinking of that one thought, one thought that I had to work through with, oh, delegating to somebody and helping them grow and helping them progress, it's very fulfilling and significant. But then there's this self-sabotage thought or negative thought that comes in. What if they take my clients? What if they <laughs> yeah. What if they take their ideas and start their own company? You know, now I'm training somebody to be a competitor. And it's like just this never-ending mental battle of like, you can't win. No matter what you do, there's like an opposite edge of the sword, right? That could be negative. You know, and it's just like, okay, well, you know, you got to take that risk, you know, try to create an environment that they don't want to leave, you know, treat them with good people. But some people will stay there for so long that they self-sabotage themselves for years because they're afraid of their employees leaving. They're afraid of this, that, or the other thing. And unfortunately, it's just a part of business. You've got to take that risk. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And uh, in a way, that's kind of what, what, uh, what contracts are for, you know, they're there to uh, provide that kind of framework. I know there's probably no such thing as a fully watertight contract because uh, enforcing them can be really expensive, but, but yeah, that's the backstop position. You know, the, 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 the front end of it is, as you say, creating a culture where people feel like they can bring, you know, their whole selves into the whole thing. They feel like they're part of it. They're aligned with the vision and that, and that's why I focus on values when, when, when recruiting and sometimes I ask the question directly sometimes it's as you say it's more of an intuitive thing uh, but um but yeah if you've got that aligned uh, focus and um, the culture's right and what you described in terms of the re rewards and incentives are there then then yeah it's um it's uh, it's it's the only way to do it otherwise yeah you will be running yourself ragged totally so, um, so, so from your point of view, then, how do you? Uh, firstly, congratulations on reducing it from seventeen hours to uh, to between to between four and twelve. It's quite a range, but congratulations nonetheless. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and and so, 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 what do you do then in your uh, in your spare time then to keep that that balance for you? Mm, um, I love to uh, just be outdoors as much as possible. Um, I wish I could. I want to get back into more dirt biking and snowboarding. Um, that's something that I absolutely love to do in the summer and the winter. In the summertime, uh, we do a lot of boating. We do a lot of wakeboarding and skiing, um, which I find very peaceful um, and a lot of fun. Anything that's like very physically involved, I find it a great escape from business. Um, do some martial arts. 
um, because you can't be thinking about business when you're getting punched in the face, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I love to work out. I love to go to the gym. Uh, I love to run in some nice trails uh, outdoors. Um, spend some spend some time with friends. Generally, my friends are very business oriented as well, so we can problem solve when we go for dinner or go for a couple of drinks. Um, I enjoy some uh some movies uh to relax on the evenings and weekends i love to read um i enjoy meditating um i enjoy i've just recently got into chess which i've enjoyed playing some chess cool um funny enough i'm playing chess against myself because my coach <laughs> told me that i should play chess against myself and i'm like you're crazy dude <laughs> like why should i why should i play chess against myself and he's like because it's a huge mental battle of who's gonna win because it's you playing you yeah and um i thought he was crazy at first but after i started playing more and more chess against myself i was like holy crap like i can see so many moves ahead now because i know what the other person's trying to strategize at the same time and it's like i it was funny because at first i was playing against a friend and then i lost like four times in a row and then like four weeks later i was playing chess against myself and then i i won three times in a row after that like that's how much i improved in four weeks time but that's been a, a fun learning experience as well. So I look for things that are um, a combination of a nice separation from business, but then I can also learn and grow at the same time, mm. um, either physically through exercise or through mental and strategy. I really want to do more martial arts because it's such an amazing strategy um, and like character building exercise as well as really you know, physically active as well. So I love those combinations. Yeah, yeah. That's fast. That thing about uh, playing chess against yourself is fascinating because um, cause I've, I've, been, I've been looking a little bit recently into uh, competition uh, and, uh, and you know, there was, I can't remember who said it, there's that quote, um, you know, the, the, the only person you should be com comparing with yourself with and competing with is the person that you were yesterday. Right, and, uh, totally. Been translating that into a kind of a, a business context because businesses. Actually, my mum said to me, do you, "Are you going to do any content about competition? Because it must be really frustrating for people working in businesses um, when you know the competitors come and you know take their people, take their good ideas, and copy them, and all that kind of stuff. And how do people who are passionate about a project deal with that kind of stuff?" And and so she made me think, and and uh, thanks, ma'am, and um, and and so uh, so yes, yeah, so I was then thinking, okay, so yes, yeah, so if you look at it from the point of view of you're competing with yourself, uh, i.e., the person that you were yesterday, translate that to a business context. Actually, that's a really positive drive driver of competition that enables you to one uh, stay a step ahead. And, and, and you know, it's about that continuous improvement and all that. Um, and then two, actually, um, when it comes to your competition, it kind of opens things up to a different conversation around being able to collaborate. Because, you know, again, I'm not talking about you know price fixing or anything, uh, cartels or anything dodgy like that. But when it comes to collaborations to innovate new uh, solutions to the problems that society faces and, and all that kind of stuff. You know, if you're focusing yeah. more on competing with yourself than, um, or rather the business that you were yesterday, then uh, that actually builds that that strength, builds that desire to improve in a much more healthy basis. So you then potentially can begin to have a different mindset when looking at your competition and seeing them as 
um, you know, more like sparring partners than people whose, you know, mm. heads you really want to take off, you know? Uh, so, totally. um, so yeah, so that's, that, that's interesting. I've got no question okay. to follow on from that monologue, but that, that <laughs> you just, you just triggered that thought me. Oh yeah. Maybe your coach yeah. is trying to teach you a, a deeper lesson by, uh, by asking <laughs> you to play chess against yourself. Yeah. Totally. And like, I, I totally agree with you. I believe in like a collaborative, collaborative approach opposed to a competitive approach. Um, anytime that I network with a company that's doing something that I'm doing or similar to, I say, Hey, you know, how can we work together? Um, how can we collaborate? What, what do you need? What do I need? Hey, if I get too busy, can I use your services? Hey, if you get too busy, can you use my services? Uh, et cetera. Because if you, if it's, if you, if you're trying to compete against the world, I mean, Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people, a lot of companies out there. If you're the guy that's going out there saying, Hey, who can I work with? Mm. How can I help you? Yeah. How can you help me? Um, you're gonna build way more relationships. It's like, do you want to build more en enemies or do you want to build more friends? Yeah. Right. And then you can create strategic partnerships. Um, I mean, that's one of the fastest ways I've been able to grow is by finding people and companies and saying, Okay, you you want to work with me? Sure. Um, you're a bigger company, you're, you're, you know, you're more successful individual. Um, I can find us a cool project, but I can't fulfill it on my own. You know, like, would you be willing to work with me on this? And then I get a massive amount of experience. It's lucrative for both sides. It's a win-win situation. So always looking for those win-win situations and collaborative approach. Um, I'd rather have friends opposed to, to enemies. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Good. So, um, okay. Uh, why don't you tell us a bit about your um, your 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 capital funds? You, you said it right at the start of the conversation. The main thing you, you you're working on is is in finance, uh, and I haven't asked you about that at all, so it doesn't seem very fair. So so tell us more about what you're doing in that area. Yeah, for sure, it's it's pretty straightforward. Alteza uh, Capital we raise money for companies, um, so generally they need to be doing a million or more in revenue per year or they've raised three to five million already, and then we'll come on and we'll assist them with, with their next capital raise. A minimum is five million uh, and up, and then we'll we'll do a marketing campaign plus uh, some assistance with their investor relations, go to our investors, et cetera. Uh, and then we'll help with some B2B sales, and then we'll also help with finance and technology consulting as well. We're a team of about 16 at the moment, and yeah, we assist with, with a lot of scalability issues um and go from there cool cool and so how how does the how does that model work for you is that a, a do you have do you have kind of a private or institutional investors that that you've got access to uh, do you do you put your own funds in is it are you looking to partner on a on an equity basis or 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 is it debt how, how does it how does it work yeah um we will put our money our money in um, but most of the money comes from our investor groups, family offices, institutions, private equity, venture capital, high net worth individuals. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, so that's primarily where the investment capital comes from. And then we'll, we'll, we'll work with investment funds who want to scale. Um, we'll work with, you know, generally innovative and technology based companies, but we're pretty open to that. Um, and then, yeah, we'll, we'll work with them. We'll raise the capital. And then we've got resources to assist them with using that capital effectively um, with, you know, employment recruitment, with um, problem solving systems, operations, et cetera. We've got a, a good team that we can help, you know, use that money really effectively and help them scale quickly. Cool, cool. And so the um, 
the the tech side of things uh what kind of um is, is that a specialist area or is that general business systems what kind of uh what kind of support do you offer in that area um pretty generalized we've got uh two people on our team that specialize in operations and systems um so depending on the company and their their current needs will either improve their current systems and operations or will need to um you know implement a new system that'll be it'll be better for them to scale. Um, so it's very individualized to each company. Because mm. a million pound of revenue, you're kind of, um, I suppose, depending on the sector, but you're, you're kind of he fairly heavily into the, the chaos phase of, of business growth exactly. at that sort of stage, aren't you? So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is, is, that, is, that, is that why you're, you're, you're aiming in at that kind of area? Because you've got those kind of complementary skill sets to be able to offer? Yeah, exactly. Um, one is the the complementary skill sets and the the consultants and uh, that we have on the team are, are phenomenal. At that I find that um, the investors are most excited about projects that are already you know revenue generating. They have a MVP, they have a solid business plan, and it's easier for us to raise money for them because they look at the company and think, hmm, okay, they've got a solid business. They just need some more fuel on the fire. Right, so that they can scale. Um, raising money for startups that have no revenue is very time consuming. It's very difficult. It's really high risk for the investors. Um, and then, yeah, so that's why we focus on that area. We just find that we can create some calm amongst the chaos and and give them that support and help them help them scale. Cool, cool. And how easy is it? Um, is that, are they are they businesses mainly based in Canada? Uh, Canada, the US, and then we do Europe, London, um, and a little bit in UAE as well. Okay, cool. And how easy how easy is it to find the right kind of uh, sort of uh, executive level advisors for 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 businesses like that? Um, the that that's a pretty difficult question to answer because it really depends on the industry and and what the needs are of that. Um, we can definitely recruit really easily for some of the junior positions, um, you know, like customer service, um, you know, like management operations. Um, but as far as like the C-suite level executives go, we have another company that we'll, we'll contract with to bring in those positions because that is quite a, quite a intense operation. But generally the companies we have with that uh, work with the management team is able to step into those roles and, and manage the business. What they really need is just another, you know, five, 10, 15 workers that can fulfill okay. for the clients okay. and work on marketing and strategy, et cetera. So we're not really fulfilling the position of the C-suite and upper management. It's more of, okay, they've got a solid management team. They need some capital. Now they've got the capital. Now they need the people to fulfill the, the the services and the products. Okay, cool. Because I was thinking yeah. in terms of the sort of succession planning, or 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 the you know as as you grow, you're going to need to build that management team, uh, you know, but sort of beneath beneath the, the very top line to keep to keep pushing it onwards, aren't you? So uh, so that becomes exactly. a challenge when you probably get I don't know, yeah, three four million plus, I guess. Yeah, yeah, exactly, but. It, it comes naturally. A lot of the time, the management teams also have a Rolodex of people they wish they could have on the team, but they can't afford to at the time. So yeah. when we do bring in the capital, then they can kind of get their wish list, you know, a couple people off of their wish list. Um, 
which is which is good and yeah it's very very specific to each company in the situation yeah. cool well look tom it's been brilliant um uh, talking to you thanks ever so much for for coming on coming on the show um this show is called uh, people with purpose so uh, so how would you describe your purpose in life oh great great question um my purpose and I look at it as in stages, like the first stage has been, you know, fulfill for my family, my my mom, my brother, my dad, my immediate family, and then spill over into a few of my friends and, and close family members as well. Um, and then, you know, as that's accomplished, my like long-term goal is to uh, be a combination of Elon Musk, Richard Branson, Ray Dalio, um, because and Tony Robbins, because Tony Robbins for helping people overcome their limiting beliefs and become the best version of themselves. I find nothing more significant and fulfilling than than helping someone progress. Uh, and I know that when I pass away, the, you know, the relationships are the only thing that I can take with me. And that's what I'll truly place value on at the end of my life. Uh, Elon Musk, because I love innovation and technology. And I think it's a greatest Probably the greatest way to add value to the world at whole is by improving innovation and living standard for people across the world. Uh, and then three, Richard Branson, because he's his name's attached to like 450 companies. He's got so much on the go. And I love to like start new projects and push them forward and then bring people in to uh, make that be successful, whether I'm 1% involvement or, you know, 80% doesn't matter to me. I just love working on exciting projects. Um, and then Ray Dalio, because I look at finance as a absolutely phenomenal uh, vehicle to create substantial amounts of wealth with a very, you know, tight, tightly knit group of people, um, very scalable model. And then like my definition of success is pursue worthwhile destination on the most enjoyable journey possible with great company, uh, because the journey is or the destination is not guaranteed, you know, knock on wood, but I could get hit by a car tomorrow um, and the game's over. Um, but as long as I'm pursuing those goals and those dreams that I want to, uh, that gives me a lot of significance and fulfillment. And then I want it to be an enjoyable journey. I don't want to be building a company or working a job that I absolutely hate because now I'm pursuing a destination just to have a billion dollars and I hate my life. That doesn't make sense. And then for me is being with the, the best company that I can possibly be with. You know, I love having fun. I love enjoying my life. I love joy and happiness. So working with great people and having a good time while pursuing those those goals. Awesome, Tom. Well, so the the cars stay on the road, and and you stay on the yes. sidewalk, and uh, and uh, and yeah, and and you keep on keep on keep on going. So thanks ever so much for coming on. It's been brilliant to uh, to talk to you. How can people find out more about what you're doing and, and follow your work? They can find me at tommays.com or altezacapital.com and then um, on all social platforms just uh, Tom Mays and I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show it's been an absolute pleasure um, I love your, sh your, your show and your podcast you have some awesome guests on here so I'm very grateful for the opportunity and, and thank you very much it's a pleasure thanks for coming on Tom all the best awesome talk to you soon David thanks for listening to People With Purpose I hope you've enjoyed the show and are enjoying going on this journey Please remember to like and subscribe and give us a five-star review. Uh, tell all your friends. And if you're interested in finding out more about any of the things we've covered in this episode of People With Purpose, just get in touch. All the details are in the show notes. Thanks. Bye.